For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Monique DeBose is a singer-songwriter, playwright, political activist, and podcaster from Los Angeles, California. With a BA in mathematics from the University of California at Berkeley and a master's in spiritual psychology, she brings a unique creative sensibility to her songwriting and artwork. She honed her singing chops at Billy Higgins World Stage Jazz Club in Limerick Park at the epicenter of the African-American cultural community in Los Angeles. Enormously talented at jazz vocal improvisation, she has performed internationally in India, China, and Europe. She received rave reviews for her one-woman show, Mulatto Math, Summing Up the Race Equation in America, which won the Producers Encore Award at the Hollywood Fringe Festival. She's been a TEDx performer of her song, Rally Call, which has struck a chord with people worldwide about human rights and the fight against racial prejudice. The video for Rally Call has been played at the United Nations. Her new third album, You Are the Sovereign One, has been released, and she joins us on Backstory Song to discuss this work. Welcome to Backstory Song. I'm your host, Doug Burke, and today I am thrilled and honored to have Monique DeBose on our show. Monique, welcome to our show. Thank you so much, Doug. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So you have a new album out. You've been working a long, long time on this, it sounds like. I mean, it's one of the songs I think you wrote when you were in your 20s, uh, which we won't get into how old you are now, (laughs) but that was a while ago. And uh, what's the name of the album? The album is called You Are the Sovereign One, and we're calling it an album experience. So I wanted to ask you what the title of the album, You Are the Sovereign One, what inspired that? Because it doesn't, there's not a song called that on the album. Right. Yes. So a lot of what I do, the reason I create music, create art, is to inspire and encourage people to own all the parts of themselves. That's been my journey my whole life. I've compartmentalized. I'm sure we'll get into that at some point. Um, And so where I'm at now creatively is I want to make safe space for people to own every part of themselves. So in doing that, you really are a sovereign being. So that's what I'm encouraging and inspiring. Interesting. So you are a singer, songwriter, playwright, TED Talk speaker, mother, daughter of an Irish mother and an African-American father, 
mathematics graduate from the University of Berkeley. So I assume your right brain and left brain are both actively on fire. And I'm really kind of excited about that because I don't get a lot of math majors on our show. (laughs) You've written a lot of these songs that we're going to talk about with the Corin brothers. Mm -hmm. Isaac and Torald, yep. So tell me about how that came about, that collaboration. Sure. Um, I didn't know their music before I met them. I met them as two individuals. We were on a retreat. All three of us are part of an organization called the Association for Transformational Leaders. It's an organization here in Southern California. And they were singing at the retreat. And I was like, oh my God, you are the people I will be creating my next project with. I had been waiting for, I would say, honestly, probably about eight years to find the right collaborators. And when I met them, I just knew that they were the ones I wanted to collaborate with. Interesting. And I will say, having listened to the entire album several times, it's really engrossing and it has a wide range of styles. Your sort of bio characterizes you as a jazz singer, which there's definitely that but I heard a lot more than that. What would you describe your style of music? If you had to use a hundred, use a hundred words <laughs> to put yourself into a hundred different genres. You're not a single word performer, right? <laughs> no, I'm not a single word, anything, um, except a sovereign one. How about that? So I would say it's got r and flavor. It's got some pop elements to it. Definitely singer songwriter energy. Yeah, I think some of the instrumentation on some of the tunes really like lend itself towards more the jazz instrumentation. But yes, I have been a jazz singer in a lot of my life. And this project to me, even though people still want to call it jazz, I don't, to me, it's not jazz. I mean, I know what jazz is. I have the honor of playing Ella Fitzgerald soon for an upcoming show. And to me, that is jazz. So, uh-huh, uh-huh. No, I would agree with you. It's not solely jazz. There's definitely jazz in the album, jazz elements. And we're going to talk about that. So let's talk about one of the songs, Incomparable. And I know you can say that multiple ways, but you chose to say it incomparable. I'm singing it incomparable. Right. So this song is, again, going back to the theme of the entire project, a lot of times people, including myself and many people I work with, find themselves comparing themselves to others. That person has more money. That person has a better looking husband. That person has a better job. They have the career I want, all of these pieces. And it can just leak energy. And for me, I found myself in a hole one day, just comparing myself to any and everything I could, I was just trying to like, I think really make myself feel bad when I look back at it. And so one of the practices I have is doing 40 days of improv sometimes. And so I was in one of those 40 days and it's just showing up to my voice, to a piano and creating whatever wants to come out. And the verses of this song came out during one of those improvs one day. And so when I brought this idea to the brothers, we talked about flipping it on its head, like the real essence of it. So that is incomparable. I find the arrangement to be very spacious, if that's accurate. You know, you have this simple piano and drum line, and 
it plays not when you're singing. You sing a cappella style almost, which is really, that's where I start to feel like there's the jazz influence because like you don't need a melody behind your voice to make it beautiful to listen to. And so you have to be a great singer to actually just do that. I think, you know, not every singer can, can sing without a backing track, you know? And so, you know, tell me about that design of that spaciousness. Do you, when you, how do you think about space in this song? And you, you use that throughout the album in places. Well, I feel like we really get a lot of space in the verses. And to me, we're really listening to a woman's lament. We're really listening to a person who is really getting clear about what happens when they compare themselves. And so it's really like shining a light on it. So the focus really is the pain in the voice, the pain of what that means. And then when we come into the chorus, to me, it's just kind of an up, uh, like major experience of I break the mold, <laughs> turn worlds to gold. I'm incomparable. My favorite is, you know, the truth is in the skin I'm in. I'm incomparable. To me, that just is so beautiful. So it's kind of like the differences between those two ways of being or those two feeling tones. So I'm glad you noticed that. And I do believe that for all of us, comparison makes you unhappy. Yes. Or some other bad feeling like I'm superior to that thing. You know, you know it's either... Either way, it's a negative thing to actually pursue comparison in life. I'm either better or worse than other people, other things. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's something we should all start to avoid and, and just realize <laughs> that we're all incomparable. <laughs> and that's why I love the song. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's the beauty of it to me, because that's why I was saying this is called an album experience because I've also designed a course. I've pulled seven songs from this project and each week women are joining me and we're going through one of the songs. We're using one of the songs as a doorway into a theme to really pull out and create their more sovereign selves. Let that energy really live in the world. So this is one of the tunes that we'll use in the You Are the Sovereign One transformational experience to really get that clarity that there's no need to compare. I like the way you bring it down to just the piano at the end there in the last chorus. And then, yeah, I, I love the way you rave up and rave down on this album. And, and this out, this song <laughs> has that, you know, does that just come natural to you or in the band and, and, and the brothers? I would say yes, because it naturally happens. It isn't immediately like, okay, let's just be very sparse here. And then let's bring in this, you know, fun instrumentation here. It doesn't work that way. It's more, we start with what is the message I'm trying to deliver? What is the feeling tone that I will meet people at? And all of that builds from there. The arrangement builds from there. Because when we started this, the first pass, let's just say, of this song, it started with the verses. And I said, you know, I really think it needs to start with a sweet sound first. The verses are heavy and the verses are, you know, looking at the darker side of what happens when we compare. So we brought in just piano and voice, that very intimate, sweet, like vulnerable space. So, 
Yeah. I mean, it all, it all feeds itself. By the end, I almost felt like I was listening to a gospel choir. You know, it's like this. I, did you sing in the choir at all growing up or was there any choir in nope, the background? I was and, not the one. Nope. Funny story. You mentioned Berkeley. I, when I was a freshman, that's when I first decided I wanted to start singing. I was too scared to sing before I was 17 years old out in public. A girlfriend and I decided we were like, we're going to go try out for the Berkeley gospel choir. And we went and we were not admitted into the choir. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember being devastated by that. You know, it spoke to not being a good enough singer. It spoke to not being black enough. It spoke to all like these pieces that were just so painful for me at 17. So no, I did not sing in the choir. <laughs> you were learning the songs for the first time. And, you know, if it's any consolation, Michael Jordan got cut from the eighth grade basketball team. So, you know. Thank you. Superstars can find their way later in life. So let's shift gears and talk about Rally Call, because this song seems rooted in your political activism. And I would like for you to describe that. And the video to this song is just like heartbreakingly, emotionally challenging to watch when you understand the story behind the imagery, some of which we've all experienced in our life, in the events that have happened in America and the world over the past few years. But um, tell me about Rally Call. You don't even have to understand or know the history. The images tell the story to you immediately. I feel like that just feels important to say. Of course, it's important for everybody to understand the history and know it and use it as a truth as opposed to something to whitewash or avoid. But yeah, I feel like it's such a visceral video. It's heart opening, heartbreaking, yes, and heart opening as well. Interesting. That's kind of the opposite of what I described it as, but I get it. It is uh, mind and heart opening, hopefully. Yeah. I'm in the field, my body's broke, my spirit is tired, I need relief, your God ain't the one who's taking me higher, my sovereignty, my way, Lord Jesus forgive me. Come walk with me, yeah. I'll grow your skin, no nobody, no favors. There's a road where we're walking on thunder, where we all go deliver ourselves. We lay down by the trees we hung under, so we own every part of us. Gave God your knees, get rid of those papers. A cage bird sings, an ancient song he's almost forgotten. Did you clip your wings? Yeah. And take your place among the downtrodden. Our children, they know that the system is broken. 
have a dream, yeah. I'm here to stir your part of the motion. So tell me about Rally Call. What is this about? The Rally Call was a song I wrote probably in 2018 and didn't have a video for it because it was just a song I had written at that point. And the message of that song, there's a lyric in the song that says, get rid of those papers. And that harkens back to a time, and some may argue it still exists this time in a more subtle or you know covert way, but it harkened back to a time when Black people in the United States and other places in the world were not allowed to move freely without having papers that were assigned to them or given to them by their white owners or people who had power over them. And so with this song, I'm really speaking to anyone who has felt oppression, anyone who has felt like they've been waiting for permission, get rid of those papers. You don't need to wait for permission anymore. That narrative that you've been fed, and I wrote this from my own personal experience, So it speaks to me as an African-American here in this country. And it also speaks to me as a woman, as somebody who is mixed race, trying to like navigate and be okay for the white people or the black people, like just all of the pieces. Anybody who has felt like they are waiting for permission, you no longer need to. If you're waiting, this is your, this is your permission slip. This song is your permission slip. And so cut to, you know, the summer of 2020, when, I mean, so many things happened in this country, but George Floyd was murdered. Um, Ahmaud Aubrey was murdered. He was running. He was exercising. Breonna Taylor was murdered. She was sleeping. So all of these things, and then Elijah, uh, Elijah McClain, who was just walking home from the store in Colorado, all of these happenings all culminated. We saw what happened in the United States it also brought back rally call to me. I said, oh my God, we need to put this song out now. And that's when the video just downloaded in my mind. I remember it. I, w- I couldn't speak fast enough or type fast enough the images that were coming. And so I'm really proud of the work. And I feel like it's really been a valuable tool for a lot of people. A lot of people aren't always willing to like step into difficult conversations. And I think music and art are beautiful ways for people to do that. You have many heart-wrenching images, but um, two in particular, one of whipped Pete in the video and another of Lauren Nelson. So tell me their stories and why you picked those two images. I mean, I'm sure you looked at a lot of images, perhaps, to come up with those two particular two. And then how does that translate into the emotion in the song? that you're trying to capture? Sure. So the man on the cover of the album artwork, for those who haven't seen it yet, he has lashes all over his back. He'd been beaten and whipped so intensely that there are these huge welts that formed all on his back. The story I know about him is that he escaped and was able to join the Union soldiers the African-American, I don't know what you call it, regiment. Is that, I don't know how to say it, but people saw his back and thought that that would be a vital tool to really like 
furthering the abolitionist movement. And so they made, I forget what they call it. I think it's a French word, but these little tiny pictures and they shared those with people all around. I think it went around the globe somehow. And so he really became a poster child for the fight for abolition. And then Laura Nelson, I'm sure many black women were hanged during that time. But this is the one of the few, uh, and I don't want to say the only because I don't haven't done my research, but one of the few images of a woman who is hanged. And she was hanged with her son for stealing, I think it was originally stealing a cow or, and then the sheriffs came or, you know, the town gathered, the white town community came and they came and confronted them and somebody got shot, one of the deputies or the sheriffs. And these two people, the son and the mom were in jail. And of course, the day before their trial or whatever, the community, the white community decided to storm the jail and they were allowed to come in and they took them out and hanged them. So it's just, it's a very powerful image. And actually that was the image I wanted to have initially as the cover art, because a lot of times in the conversation around uh, black people in the United States, black women are often erased out of the narrative. And so I wanted to have a black woman on the cover and all the streaming services would not allow it. They said it was inappropriate. <laughs> I was like, yes, it is inappropriate. That's right. That is the whole point. But we couldn't use her. They can allow like all sorts of language, but they wouldn't allow that image. Yeah. That's the image was me. too, too violent. Too I'm graphic. Like, I'm like, yes, it is too graphic. You're right. And that's the point. <laughs> Well, I think everybody needs to go watch the video so you can see what we're talking about because it's uh, it's heart wrenching to or heart opening, yeah. You know, or well, both. I mean, we, it can be both. It's all part of the human experience. It is. It is. So, tell me how this whole background imagery, which is running through your head, translates into the sonic landscape of this song and how you constructed the song because I. I love the progression from a tinkling piano to this cool shredding guitar lick arpeggio, like escalating arpeggio. Like it just, and the marching drum snare that the way it picks up, like, again, you, you do such a good job of like building songs up to a crescendo and that happens in this song. And, it, but it's, it really describes an emotion. What, what emotion would you? Yeah, several emotions. And the words that come to me are urgency, getting your attention, um, resisting, um, saying yes to something you've wanted to say yes to for so long that you've been told you can't say yes to. So it's, you know, there's a, there's a march in there and there's a, uh, uh, ooh, it's a part. There's a road where we're walking on thunder, where we all go to, Yeah. So to me, that's just like, it's a conjuring. It's, I, I see like people in a field, like just saying, all right, y'all, let's, let's do something different. It's time we're, we're going to do something different. So it's just building the energy. And then there is a section in the song also where I decided I was like, I was like, brothers, this is what's going to happen here. I, we need to have it feel like a conjuring, like a sorcerer, somebody like, pulling out this energy and bringing up this energy. And that's where I am, you know, uh, I wouldn't go so far as saying scatting in that section, but that part where it's just all vocal, um, 
vocal musings, let's just say, um, that to me is really that, 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 that wisdom conjuring up, like wake up. So. Yeah. And it ends in a vocalese, um, with the kind of chanting, nay, nay, whoa, whoa. Uh, is that, is that you making those background vocals and, and it's me and Isaac and Torald. Yeah. Everybody we're, we're the voices just, like, just chanting yeah. on this. Yeah. And, and did that come organically? I'm always asking, I'm always just trying to find the it emotional root of this stuff. And what were you after there on the, what's the emotion that you're after when it just organically comes, you're singing the song and all of a sudden you're like, we need nay, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa's here. <laughs> uh, I'm really, I'm, I'm like looking back on the, the recording. I feel like it was just what was being asked in the song. There is a real vulnerability and an opportunity to put your ego and your emotions aside and really delve into like being a channel. Like, what does this song need from me? And that's what came forward for us. I love that. I don't think I've ever heard that on the show. Like the song was asking me to do this. And I know you believe in a lot of spirituality and you channel a lot of spiritual things in your life from listening to your podcast. The podcast is called More, by the way, and we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about her song more. So hold on. But, you know, you channel spirituality in your music. That's exactly what that's why i write yep that's why i write not for spirituality but i write from that place like that's where i write from what needs to come through me today what message needs to come out how does it need to come out i think that's how all great songwriters write though to me i, I believe that's how i mean they might not say it in those words but i feel like that's what every great songwriter does they they move themselves out of the way and let what needs to come through come through I'm learning that there's all sorts of ways that songs get written and, and I'm always learning new ones. And, and what's funny about this podcast is it's challenging to sometimes describe this process. Sometimes a song will come to a songwriter in three minutes, like 30 seconds, the idea comes down and the whole melody and like, it's a complete vision and they just scramble and run it down. Sometimes they wake up in the middle of the night, you know, in a dream and the song has come to them. And then other times the song will take, you know, 20 years where they started it and it wasn't right. And they work it and it wasn't right. They change the key and it comes together. And so I don't know that there's any per se formulas. This is my takeaway from my, my this is my 76th episode. I think, you know, there are things that have been proven to work. And one of them is when the song asks you to do it, just do it. Darn it. <laughs> you know, like if you're the songwriter, just don't, don't get in the way, just do it. You know, <laughs> I, that's the lesson I'm taking away from this. If the, yeah, if the music is calling, hundred percent, you know, just do it. So we get the chance to listen to it as, you know, that's, that's all we're asking, <laughs> you know, as the listeners out here, <laughs> I heard Lynn Manuel once share a story that he was on a on the train, I think, to Brooklyn from his house. He was writing Hamilton. He got to the friend's party and he heard one of the lyrics to one of the songs he had been struggling to write. And so he went to the party, said, Hey guys, I gotta go, and then went right back home to go write that song. So yeah, when it calls, it calls. It's not always convenient, but Right. You don't want to forget it, that's for sure. That's like the worst feeling. Oh, I had a great lyric. 
<laughs> you don't know my story, Doug. <laughs> I've had that. I've had that experience many a time. <laughs> well, um, so what is the last thing you'd like our listeners to take away from Rally Call? What would you like them to do after listening to this song? After you listen to Rally Call, go inside yourself and ask the question, what can I do to make this world a more just, fair, and loving place? What can I do? And trust that there is something that you can do and then do it. And that's the Rally Call. And if we all do that... It'll be a wonderful rally, I think, you know, mm-hmm. it will, it will be an amazing rally and it's a non-judgmental rally. It is, uh, but it is about doing what's just, oh, I like that. Let's talk about Brown Beauty. Yes. Let's talk about her. Is this autobiographical? <laughs> Yes, it is. Every song I write comes from me. That's the truth. I mean, I am the person I know best and most intimately. I'm my subject. People say, write what you know. I do. It just seems to resonate and speak to more universal themes, which I'm grateful for. So Brown Beauty is actually the opening number to my one woman show, Mulatto Math, Summing Up the Race Equation in America. And I wrote this song to really speak to and celebrate the complexity and the mastery that it takes to be somebody who is in bridge culture. And I define bridge culture as for me, you know, somebody being, you know, from a half African American, half Irish American, and really living and learning how to navigate the world from that perspective of having both pieces. And so it was really just speaking to the beauty and the journey that that person goes on. And I found quite quickly after my show that it was a song that I really wanted to use as a celebration of black women, of women of color to say, I see you, I recognize you and I get you. And you are navigating and mastering a world that really wants you to be erased at times, really doesn't want to see you, doesn't want your complexity that, and I'm air quoting complexity, um, that you're bringing into a situation but the world is so much better because of it. So it's just so like, hey, I see you, I celebrate you, and I love you. So that is Brown Beauty. And we did a whole campaign on social media, and I have tons of women who I've never met from around the world who have, um, one, put themselves in the music video. I asked people if they wanted to be celebrated as Brown Beauties. And then also on my social media, we have a whole Brown Beauty campaign where women all around the world are submitting pictures saying, this is why I love my brown beauty and this is who I am. And every Wednesday we have a brown beauty of the week. Okay. <laughs> so <ahead>. what? <laughs> here's the TikTok challenge. All you brown beauties out there, make a TikTok episode for this song, please, on my behalf. And you heard it here first. It started on Backstory Song, the brown beauty TikTok movement. Because I think that would be cool. That would be fabulous. So. Yeah. Do you remember the magazine Jet? Yes. I would look at it, but I always remember the beauty of the week, the Jet beauty of the week. And she was 25 and she had just finished her, you know, UCLA undergraduate. She was in a bikini. It was that time. Right, right. But don't Um, compare yourself to uh, her. But I... (laughs) No, don't compare yourself to her. I probably probably did as a young girl. 
But I, I took that and just elevated it to 2021. And so I have a Brown Beauty of the Week every week on my Instagram. I am Monique DuBose. Women who I don't know will answer these questions and share a picture. And so I put them up every Wednesday. So I just, I love it. On Brown Beauty, I really like this jazzy element, the really subtle bass line in it, in the middle. Who's your bass player on this? And and, and um, a bass player is Torold. Oh, no it was kidding. really an in-house project for Brown Beauty. Yeah. And you know, was it? Is he a jazz musician by training? I mean, surreal seems like a real. Torold loves jazz. Torold sort of loves Scotty Lafaro jazz baseline, you know, if you will, one of the uh, part of the Dave Brubeck or, or uh, uh, Bill Evans trio. He's uh, a phenomenal. Uh, he's a phenomenal musician. He's a phenomenal singer. Um, and Brown Beauty was actually pretty much uh, written, and um, because yeah, I, I had already written it for the show. Um, so it was a pretty well-baked piece before I shared it with them. Um, but it's beautiful. It, the instrumentation is very uh, sparse and uh, we got a lot of feedback from um, critics that were like, I love the concept. I love her voice. I thought it was going to go somewhere else. And I, I felt a little bit offended by that feedback, but at the same time, I know what the message of the song is. And so to me, it does its job perfectly. It really is like a prayer or just a meditation on just the beauty that is the woman. I see you. I celebrate you. I love you. So it does its job perfectly for me. You know, it has a real meditative feel and it, it doesn't rave up as much as, uh, you know, some of your other songs no. on the album. It it, it doesn't stays in that meditative trance-like <laughs> right. moment, you know, which is kind of cool. I thought it was cool. I think it's cool. Yeah, I definitely think it's cool. Yeah, there's a cool vibe to it. You know, it's like, and I can't wait to see all the TikTokers do their brown beauty TikToks and 
have this thing go viral. It would be that would be the coolest thing that came from my show, our show. Because I could not do this show without you. That's for sure. It's all good. However, it comes is great. Let's talk about one of the songs that introduced me to a guy named Preston Smiles. And I loved it. And it's called Human Condition. At the end of the song, you have a spoken word rap like segment from Preston Smiles. First, tell our listeners who Preston is and what he does. So Preston is, uh, I would say he is an inspirational leader, speaker, coach. He supports people in creating the lives that they want for themselves. He's a phenomenal father and husband to his wife. They have multiple businesses and we were looking for someone who could really add their voice to this piece. Human Condition felt the instrumentation of it, it's a choir and it's really just kind of like a, a come home, like come back to yourself song. Human condition is all about owning all the parts of yourself. It's just part of the human condition. Like if you can have peace in yourself around that, great. And so Preston felt like a really great choice um, for a person to share their wisdom in the in the song. And I reached out to him and he was a yes. And it was very uh, magical. Um, We know Preston, we run in some similar circles. And um, I'm just forever grateful that he lent his voice to this this tune. So what is the song Human Condition about? Human Condition is a song about owning all the parts of yourself. We often try to put ourselves, you know, just pieces of ourselves out on display because you really will like this part of me. But if you knew this part, you might not be as interested. And what I'm proposing with this song is that when we're willing to own all the parts of ourselves, only then are we truly free. And freedom is the most attractive thing that a human being can have. So I'm encouraging, inspiring people to normalize bad days or normalize, you know, not making the the best choices all the time so that people don't have to like sit in shame. But even if they do, that's part of the human condition. I'm just trying to make space for everything for people so that they can just like relax and breathe a little bit more. Were you inspired by any um, artists, predecessor artists on this song? I'm sure I was, but nobody is coming to mind. There are other songs on this album project where I was like, this is absolutely, I'm going trying to do Bill Withers in this space or right here. This is what I'm trying to do here. But Human Condition, no. Does somebody come to mind for you? Well, it did. I, that's why I, br- I brought the question up. I wrote down Sade and Tina Turner. Oh, well, they're both inspirations to me. They both have influenced me as a singer, as a listener, as a woman, but I, not at least explicitly for this song. That's that's great, though. I'll take another listen with them in my mind. No, I get a lot of that vibe, that sort of empowered woman of the late Tina Turner, you know, on her own after she got rid of Ike and, uh, you know, had had her rebirth, if you will, and found herself as a woman. I mean, there's a lot of that in, in your messaging. Um, that's you know, great. The empowerment Doug, that's of excellent. women. And sometimes it's an African-American woman and sometimes it's just a woman, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm all about that. I'm all about that. (laughs) And that's what this course that you're launching is about, is it? 
Yeah. You are the sovereign one. Um, the experience. Yeah. It's seven songs inspiring and taking women, a diverse group of women who are like-minded in their desires to really own more of themselves so that they can really access what they want for themselves in life. That's what it is. And the course actually starts in October. So speaking of women, I think my favorite song is the first song on the album, Fortunate Woman. And this song is so sexy, but so many of the top 40 songs today are sexy and dirty. And this song, I think it toes the line of just being sexy and never goes into the dirty side of things, which is, you know, there's a place for that. Yeah, absolutely. What was the inspiration for Fortunate Woman? Well, Fortunate Woman, all I see are two people who are married. They've been in it for a while. They've got children and they have this like undying, like burning for each other. They still just really love being with each other. And so I wanted um, to make a grown folks love song. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't want it to be, you know, like a the teenagery or that kind of thing. I just like somebody, you know, people who have had like some lived years together. And I'm not talking about old people, but I'm just like people who are in their late thirties and their forties who've just really, you know, they're in it with their families and yet they still have that for each other. So yeah, no, this is not it was, a it was song. fun to write it. This is not a song about hooking up. It, I mean, it is. No, they've already done a, that a long time ago. Right. <laughs> the kids got in the way and everything else happened since. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's not a hookup song. This is an in love song. And that's what makes it sexy. I mean, do you agree with me? That, is that what you were trying for? Like this sexy vibe? I mean, those are the people who I wrote it for. I wrote it for people who have like been in relationship for a long time, who have had challenges, who have children, who are navigating, you know, many pieces to just like live the thing that they're calling their lives. And yet there's still like that fire and chemistry of, I see you, I want you, I, I need you right now. Like all of that still gets to exist in that world. It's a song of hope. <laughs> <laughs> for, for married people who... Who've- Kids are driving yes. them crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> One day you'll be an empty nester. And <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to be in the present moment. <laughs> we're going to be in the present. We're in the present in this show. I like the finger snap and then the, go. you go into the breakdown, the bridge. You know, you do some cool mm. things on this show. Um, you have these simple words, taste, blessed. Like, yeah. Single words. like, And the whole pre-hook is all sort of single word lines, which... Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful. Yes. I love, I love what we came up with there because it's just, it's like you get to rock together. It's just such a beautiful, like slow motion rock back and forth in that pre-hook. Yep. So what time of day do you recommend that our listeners put this song on? Is this a Sunday morning or a Friday night? When you come home from work or is it a Wednesday night after you put the kids to bed? Like, 
it's Wednesday date night when the babysitter or your mother, like I said in the song, has taken the kids. So you have your house to yourselves for just one evening. And then it's also a Sunday morning when the kids, you know, stayed up too late on Saturday are still in their rooms and haven't busted into your room yet. And you guys just get to like make love with the sun coming in through the window. I love it. Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings. Sounds like eight days a week. Okay. <laughs> Fortunate woman. Well, thank you for giving us this sexy gift of a song. Oh, I love the fuzzy guitar on this too. This is the one song thing you used the fuzzy That's guitar. again. That's okay. Yeah, it's great. So he messes around with a whole bunch of different guitar sounds throughout the album. And this is one where he fuzzed it up. One of the only ones where he fuzzed it up. Yeah. But it's it's just, it, it called for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, so you're answering the song again. The muse was calling you and you were answering that with fuzzy guitar. Mm -hmm. There's always on this album, and this is, I think, the jazz influence in the album to me this balance of the instruments and foremost, unlike some non-vocal jazz albums, the foremost instrument is your voice. The range, the bending of the notes, multiple octaves in a single word, like throughout mm -hmm. this album, just never overwhelming and always in a balance with the other sort of improvisational things that are going on from the other instruments. It's what I love about this album. Thank you so much, Doug. That really means a lot. I appreciate you sharing that. Were you going for that? Were you going, like, were you consciously working for I, it's that? It's not a conscious, like, oh, let's make sure everything's balanced. And it's not that, it's not that conscious. I think what it is, is God give me the grace and the courage to move aside so that whatever wants to come through for this music, it gets to come through. So I feel like your words are saying, oh, we did our job. And that feels really exciting. Let's talk about more, which is also the subject title of your podcast. So tell me about the podcast first. And I know you started this song second in your 20s. So tell me yes. like the whole history of more like. This song is one of those songs, you know how you described earlier, like written in three minutes. I mean, maybe it wasn't three minutes. It might've been like 20 minutes, but yeah, this song came out pretty, pretty cooked. And actually, you know, I do have a note. There was a woman who heard it and she said, cause originally I had written the lyrics. I choose safe. I choose doubt. I choose fear. And she said to me, is that what you're really choosing in this song? Or is that something that you chose and now you're you're choosing something different? You're choosing more now. And so I remember shifting the lyrics from I choose safe to I chose safe. So I want to just say that, it, you know, sharing your music with people is always a great thing because I think it just made the song more real, which I think is beautiful. Um, but I wrote more, uh, like you said, many, many moons ago. It's my theme song. I have walked down the street. I've walked into meetings. I've walked, you know, to meet new people and hear this song in my head because it always encourages, it always inspires. And it makes me laugh because I have a lyric in there. Oh, I need a minute to myself. I'm going to take my ovaries off the shelf and be the woman that I, I, I know I am. So even that just, it always brings a smile. It's like, oh yeah, don't take yourself so seriously. Okay. Don't take this thing so seriously. Like go have fun. And women around the world sing the song. And that to me is, 
amazing. I feel like actually, you know, it's so crazy. I feel like right now this song is really speaking to a woman's right to choose. And that's not why I wrote it at all, but just what's happening right now in Texas and the Supreme court allowing it just, I'm like, and the fact that the word ovaries is in the song, I was like, Oh, did I write this song for this moment? And I didn't know it. <laughs> Cause that's what I got out of it. When I heard the song, which I, you know, recently have heard for the first time, I was like, this is so timely. And it's why I saved it for the end of this episode. You know, given what's happened in the Supreme Court against this Texas law, which basically sets up humanity to be vigilante justice against each other, not just on the abortion issue, but in theory on the right to have a gun, the right to do all sorts of things. This opens the door to bad set of vigilante justice if it's allowed. And certainly, you know, it applies in very specifically in Texas to the right to choose. And you're choosing to take your ovaries off the shelf, which I think <laughs> right. is, I've never heard that in a song. I think it's a great <laughs> line. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But, you know, a guy doesn't really have the right to do that. That is exclusively no. the right of a woman to choose that. <laughs> And the podcast, that's what you just made me think of. The podcast, More with Monique, the first season is out. And we found amazing women who are in my life, some who um, are not in my life, but majority are in my life. And each week we did an I Choose More theme. And so we did it over eight episodes. And then the ninth episode, I shared my story. But it's just, it's a beautiful project that I'm very proud of. And I feel like it really it's inspiring, it's encouraging, and yeah, it motivates women to choose more for themselves. So the themes for my listeners are of each episode of the podcast, Beyond Monique's Story, which is the last ninth episode, are intuition, awareness, courage, faith, healing, sex, honesty, and purpose. So when I saw that and then listened to it, I realized this is a profound thinker very cerebral woman. And obviously it comes through in your album, but those are all things that in some respects we should want more of as human beings, not whether you're a man or a woman. Absolutely. Yeah. I just focus on women, but I honestly believe my work speaks to and is has value for anybody with a pulse. <laughs> I find it interesting that you modified, I chose safe, safe. I chose doubt, doubt. Cause that was the one lyric that I underlined when I heard the song the first time, the way you, you changed. I chose safe, safe. I chose doubt, doubt. I chose rage, rage. I chose fear. And you only say that once in that yeah. verse. And then you flip it and say, I choose more. I choose me. Exactly. And just like mm -hmm. love. I love that song construct. And but what I wanted to ask you about is why did you choose safe doubt, rage, and fear? Why were those things that I chose? Like, yeah, why those emotions? Because they are emotions, right? You know, they are feelings. They are they're ways of being. I think that it's it's a combination, right? Because fear, rage, choosing safety, that might, yeah. So those were things to me that were not allowing me to live my best life. Anytime I chose safety, that was me not going, you know, down the road less traveled. 
Anytime I doubted myself or doubted the wisdom that was coming to me, I closed possibilities off. Even rage, you know, it's good to express emotion. Um, But if I got to a point where I was enraged, what did I not say up until that moment to get me to that rage? And then fear, and I only say fear once. Yeah, I, I don't think it was a conscious choice. But as, I, as I've listened to the song over the last like 10, 15 years, I love that I just chose fear and it's once. Because to me, do you remember the game Shoots and Ladders? Or maybe in England, they call it Snakes and Ladders. You land on that slide that just takes you all the way back down to the beginning. Ah, it's it's the like, worst. that's kind of what <laughs> fear does. It just takes you all the way back down and you get so frustrated. So I think you only needed one fear because it's like the way I sing it, fear, like it just, it's taking you all the way down the way I'm singing it. So yeah, I, I love that you asked me that question. And then I love the way the chorus kicks in after that. It's just so inspiring and motivating and upbeat and poppy. And this is a poppy song. This Unfortunate Woman are are pop songs. I think they have radio potential. Frankly, they're so good. Well, please tell the radio to play them. Radio, play Monique DeBose. (laughs) Okay. We've had enough. We need to get her on Put out what you need in the world. Come on. People are going to like this stuff. I think one other piece I want to just say about this song is I love that I'm singing it about me. And then after the instrumental break, when I come back in on that half chorus, I'm I'm singing it to the woman. It's all about her. And so I love it because it's, she's watching somebody's story and then she's brought into the story and then it becomes her song and she gets to be the one singing the story and sharing it out with the next person. That's cool. I didn't pick that up in my listen, but I'm going to re-listen to it. And I think all of our listeners are going to love your new album. Is there anything else you would like to um, talk about, promote? Are you going to be on tour? I'm not going to be on tour as far as I know right now. There's two things I would like to just add in. Um, I like. I think I mentioned it. I, I'm been offered the opportunity to play Ella Fitzgerald on a a wonderful show. And it's one episode. And I feel so honored because she is part of the reason why I started singing like out in public. (laughs) She was my first way in my first voice that gave me the courage to say, I want to sing. I'm going to sing out in public. So to be able to play her feels like a full circle moment in a lot of ways. And I would like to also share that my song, Human Condition with Preston Smiles, there is a three-day mini course that I created to go along with it. Anybody can take it. And if you just go to moniquedebosemusic.com slash human, you'll get access to the course there. And I'd love for whoever is motivated to take it, to take it. And what will people get out of it if they take the course? Well, they will be able to own and accept more of their human condition. I take them through three days, three different exercises that really make space for people to see themselves and accept themselves and embrace themselves. So it's like five minutes a day and it's a real fun course. I've gotten a lot of great feedback from it. So 
please enjoy. If I'm in LA, I'll sign up. No, no. It's all on Zoom. It's all on Zoom. It's all virtual. Okay. Yeah. So, Thank you for yeah, clarifying it's that. Yeah, moniquetobosemusic.com slash so human. Go. So yeah, you can do that. Well, Monique DeBose, I have to thank you for this new album and for coming on our show on Backstory Song. I have to thank DJ Wyatt Schmidt. You are the best, greatest sound engineer on the planet. Thank you for doing all the hard work to create our show. And thank you again. Thank you so much. It's been a real fun time and a real honor. So thank you, Doug. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.